weight loss is possible. You are just running on a different lane and you cannot compare yourself to someone that doesn't have PCOS, doesn't have insulin resistance, doesn't have hashies. You have to compare yourself to you and improvement on you. And um, especially in the first three months, because for that insulin resistance to improve, you've got to give it at least three months. You're listening to Stream, the mental health and business podcast, and I'm your host, Marisa Tully. Now, today's episode is led by our guest host and favorite fitness coach, Ash Iovino, also known as FitMom. Ash chats to registered dietitian, nutritionist, Minette Roth about hormones and weight loss. Now, as I'm personally going through some health hurdles and experiencing hormone imbalances myself, this episode was so, so incredibly helpful and insightful, and I can't wait for you to tune in. And then on a fitness front, I'm excited to share with you that Ash has decided to run her biggest program to date, the Fit Mom Strong Challenge, for the very last time this year. If you're needing a little end of the year, kick up the butt and want to get yourself out of that rut, sorry, I know it rhymes, <laughs> then join the six-week challenge, which includes access to the FitMom app, FitMom Strong Workouts, a private interactive community and eBooks and guides that truly have the power to change the way you look at weight loss and quit those shitty fad diets for life. Stream subscribers get 10% off. So if you're interested in knowing more about FitMom Strong and wanting to join the challenge, then head on over to fitmom.online and use the code STREAM10 at checkout and join the challenge starting on the 7th of November. Okay, so let's get into today's conversation with Ash and Manette. So it is so nice to finally connect with you, Minette. Um, I've been following your Instagram account for quite a while now, and I always just find that I'm so drawn to accounts that are educational and actually add value to my life. And that is one thing that always stands out with you. I feel like whatever you share, people can actually take it and walk away with it and actually try and implement it. So I just want to say thank you for your content. I know how much time it takes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and uh, yeah, and I absolutely love it. It really does add so much value to my life. Um, and I'm really excited to chat about this topic today because um, I have I started my business with mom seven and a half years ago. I've coached hundreds of women. I'm now an online coach, coaching one-on-one as well as launching challenges. Um, and I think the most um, frustrating position to be in as a coach is when women are implementing all the things that I've preach and tell them to do and they're hitting their protein targets and their resistance training and they are getting their steps in and they are hydrating and 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 then they're still not seeing any weight shift Mm -hmm. or any centimeters drop and obviously that for them then they're making no progress it's a very unmotivating position to be in and it's very hard as a coach so Mm -hmm. today's topic female hormones (laughs) um and weight loss is just um something that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And I'm just so excited to pick your brain and um, to educate people on on actually how powerful your hormones really are. Yeah, it's very disappointing. I can identify with you. It's very disappointing for me as well as a healthcare professional where you can see a patient is actually implementing everything that you're giving them. And you know they're in a calorie deficit and they are exercising and they feel that they're doing well. And for them then to get on the scale and see the number not shift. And my heart breaks just as much as theirs. 
And I think as a coach, it's also to take on the perspective that you often feel like you're doing something wrong. Yeah, you're like, completely. What am I missing? And did I not calculate it correctly? Or um, am I not giving her enough of this or enough of that? And at the end of the day, that's just another example of why it is so important to remember that there's no one-size-fits-all approach to nutrition, to working out, to losing You have to sometimes dig a little deeper, go into the detail to get the right plan for you. And it's so important to be at the right team as well. Might it be your personal trainer, your dietitian, your doctor, your endo, whoever it is, for them to communicate with each other as well uh, to get you to goal on, on in a sustainable way that's not harmful to your organ health or anything like that. So hormonal health is a hot topic um, under women, especially after you've had your babas. Um, it's often the time where women start looking at hormones and being interested in, okay, but what are my hormones doing? And yeah. when it comes to um, nutrition, from my perspective, the typical hormones I would see in my office and work with um, is obviously first and foremost insulin when it comes to insulin resistance. So sometimes mm. your insulin isn't actually used to diagnose insulin resistance. It has to be a waist circumference that's larger than 80 to 88 centimeters. So that's a quick test that you can do. You have to have that marker. Mm. And then you have to have three out of the following four. You either need to have a high sugar a high blood pressure, a high triglyceride, or a low HDL cholesterol. HDL cholesterol is your good cholesterol. So if you okay. meet that criteria, you probably have insulin resistance and we've got to do something about it because it impacts your weight loss journey. Um, and the other hormones I work with is thyroid, hypothyroidism, and also often Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease, yes. which causes hypothyroidism um, and which obviously also affects your weight. Often accompanied with um, insulin resistance as well, and then also cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Yes, (laughs) who isn't stressed? (laughs) I know. Um, That's why it's so important for for people in general, not just women, but to practice uh, healthy coping mechanisms for stress on a daily basis. Try not pour from an empty cup. I've got a lot of most of my market of my clients, my patients are mums who are very driven and will have a career going and uh, don't have the time of day to spend on themselves. And I have this conversation with them in the office where I 100% tell them, I'm going to make you the most selfish person alive because this is what it's going to take for you to understand that your health is now our number one priority. Because if you don't have your health, what are the kids going to do? Yeah, If you completely. can't take care of it. So you have to prioritize your health and you have to make a little bit of a mind shift. Um, uh, and then, of course, there is uh, PCOS, PCOS, polycystic ovarian yeah. syndrome, which is also very, very common. And that comes with insulin resistance. It comes with high androgen levels, which is a steroid hormone that promotes um, more masculine characteristics, little hair growth on the chin area. Um, you also have an irregular cycle with that. Lots of women battle with sugar cravings. They don't sleep at night. And um, the last one is menopause, where you have uh, disorders within the estrogen and progesterone axis, uh, which is also an important um period in people's lives and it's it's really important for women at that time to to really dive into what it means and how they can address it as soon as possible because it affects work life it affects your relationships it affects your libido um, and it's 
if you get the right help at the right time, you can spare yourself from those from those difficulties. Um, and in terms of a client coming to you, um, and you'll do obviously an assessment in your first um, session with them. I mean, if you pick up, so say, the circumference of the waist, or do you then put, give them a plan to follow? And if there's no response, then send them for bloods? Or how does it work? What is your sort of step by step approach if you are suspecting there is a hormonal element or imbalance to it? Mm. I want to say 99% of my patients go for bloods first consults. So I do standard bloods uh, first consults because I am definitely not the first stop. You have probably tried to lose weight with other programs or been somewhere else or they, I'm definitely not, I'm, I'm really the first stop. They've tried yes. and then they've come to me. So yes. a majority of the case, uh, I do see in, insulin resistance, um, it is also a field of interest for me as well. Insulin resistance, any type of hormonal imbalances with PCOS as well as and Hashimoto specifically, where you have the hypothyroidism. So, okay. of our patients do battle with with these sort of um, disorders. So, and it's also important just to remember that weight loss is possible. You are just running on a different lane, and you cannot compare yourself to someone that doesn't have PCOS, doesn't have insulin resistance, doesn't have hashies. You have to compare yourself to you yeah. and improvements on you. And um, especially in the first three months, because for that insulin resistance to improve, you've got to give it at least three months on the right supplementation, on the good diet. And that's often when I have the conversation with my, pa with my patients where I tell them, Let's now focus on other success markers aside from the scale. For the next three months, you're going to forget about the scale. You're not going to weigh yourself. I'm not going to weigh you. What Good are we point. going to do? We're going to yeah. focus on health. We're going to focus on energy levels. We're going to focus on your mood, your libido, uh, your sleep quality. All of those things are just as important. As but that's, that's also why it's so important, I think, for people who are embarking on a wellness or weight loss journey on their own. And they're trucking away, thinking they're doing everything that they can and nothing's happening. It's so important for them to have this awareness that there are, there could be underlying things that are making um, any kind of progress hard, but there are things that you can do. And it doesn't have to be starvation to get to your goal. And that's going to make it worse. A hundred percent. And people often just don't have the right coach or health professional guiding them from a patient's point of view. Like, as you say, how much time it actually takes. People also forget how, how long it took to get to the point where they've actually sought the help. But then yes. they want the, in six weeks, they want the fix. And yeah, I think yeah. that's why it's so important that probably after three months, their body's only just ready to actually then start losing the weight. And then I think there's also such an attachment for women to the number on the scale associated with that's the progress it. that's also why it helps to do bloods for for me personally as a success market itself so i repeat bloods three monthly um usually depending on what we tested but usually it's every three months and so i can use that and go okay fine in the past yeah. three months you having pcos and hashes maybe we've only lost five kgs mm. but your cholesterol has normalized your insulin's now normal your vitamin d level is where it needs to be your inflammation has reduced how are you feeling? How are you getting up in the morning? And then they'll tell me, I'm actually feeling so much better. I'm getting and getting up out of bed without feeling like it's a drag. My gut health is good. I'm having a good poop. Um, you know, those yeah. things are important. And and you just, as a coach, I would definitely give people the tip that try 
and get them off the scale, mm-hmm. weighing yourself every day is not a thing. Your weight fluctuates so much. And I'll, we'll talk about like weight fluctuations on your cycle even. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's it's you you have to if you're a numbers person, then make bloods your thing. Because mm-hmm. we as as health professionals, as uh, training coaches, most of us are actually trying to improve your overall health. And that needs to be the 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 topic of conversation, not but I haven't lost weight. Oh, but what about my, my weights? Did I lose weights? How much fat exactly. have I lost? The driver is is health. Yes. The driver is health. And uh, you've you've got to you've got to compare yourself to only you with that regards because no one has your makeup, no, no one's got your environment, no one has got your taste buds. So you have to take all of those things into consideration. Um, no, a hundred percent. A lot of my ladies struggle who do have a hormone imbalance. One of the most common symptoms seems to be hormonal belly fat. And is yes. that what you're talking about in terms of the waist circumference? Yes. So that is called visceral fats. So it's the fats around your organs. So if I can show you, I'm sure you've seen Mr. Fat Baby. Oh, I love your fat baby. <laughs> I love him. People sometimes are grossed out by this guy, but nice. I'm so into him. <laughs> Times, How much uh, does he weigh? He's a 2.2 in uh, volume. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to just see the visual because some some women would also say, "Oh, I've only lost two kgs." I'm like, "Can we? Can you please hold this for me? Can I pack it around you again? Walk around? Can you feel how heavy this is?" It's like I mean, it's it's yeah. a massive. And for me, as um, someone's with a science background, it's very cool that your body can get rid of this, and it doesn't go anywhere. You mm. don't lose your fat through poo it doesn't you're not going to poo it out it yeah 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 through fat oxidation it's burnt it's and you burnt. Eat through urine and breathing and uh, sweating it out so for me it's 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 amazing to see how and and the actual math about it is that's why it's so important to drink water as well for every 100 grams of fat that you burn your body uses 107 milliliters of water as the end product and you weird out, breathe it out, sweat it out. So it's so important to meet your water goals, to meet your weight loss goals. And so this this fat, it's just, it's just, it looks exactly like this, and it sits around your organs. And it's harder to get rid of because uh, it's the last fat to basically move. But if you think about it practically, the fat underneath your skin, which is called subcutaneous fat, there's muscle over it, so there's more movement when, when you exercise. But inside of your belly, your organs are not moving when you're working out. It's mm. like walking around, but it's not physically, it's not like a bicep muscle contracting. So it's harder to get rid of. And this is the fat that increases the risk for chronic diseases later in life. So diabetes, hypertension, heart disease. And it's often the fat that is associated with specifically insulin resistance, high cortisol levels as well and um, this is definitely a health marker for me as well with patients is I pop them on the in-body composition analysis machine yeah. and I get feeling to see cool where we're sitting at in terms of this and I use this as a marker of success and on top of centimeters on top of gut health and all those things you should have like 10 success markers once you start a journey you cannot yeah. just you're just going to set yourself up for disappointment 
Yeah, completely. It's, I can't, I can't believe that weighs two, only two kgs. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah as yeah. you say, like, yeah. Um, and then just from a first steps point of view, um, to address the hormonal issues. I mean, I suppose it depends on if it is insulin resistance, depending on or cortisone or like, you know, if you need to cortisol, if you need to, um, yeah, I mean, stress management, all of that kind of thing. But from a dietary point of view, um, there are obviously certain things that you can do to help you on your journey. And are those things going to create a balance then or do you still need more help or does it depend on the severity? So you, the first step, if you're suspecting any hormonal imbalances is, for example, if, if you end up in my office and you suspect hormonal imbalances, um, I can I test your bloods and there's certain mm. markers that I, I test associated with these hormonal imbalances. I can also test your hormones. However, I will probably refer you to an endocrinologist or if you have a really good relationship with your GP or a functional medicine doctor or so forth, you can also go to them and see whether or not it's necessary to go to the endo. Um, in my practice specifically, I do work with endocrinologists because okay. it's their game. They work with hormones. So they are the experts in terms of um, how to increase or decrease certain levels. And you have to remember that you can't just replace one hormone and that's it. All of the hormones affect each other. Yeah, no, completely. They all, so they all, like your whole body is is linked somehow. Yes. Um, and then in terms of natural supplementation, do you, I mean, I always sort of as a standard think omega-3s, um, magnesium, I mean, living in England, definitely vitamin D. <laughs> but um, are there any others that you, I mean, it's your, your standard general patient that you would put like on, like what are your go-to supplements and then what are you over and above for hormonal stuff? So it depends on the condition. There's specific nutritional recommendations for every specific condition. So for example, if we take um, insulin resistance, which is quite common yes. with women battle with, with weight, um, inositol is a supplement that really helps, but you need it at, a, at the right dosage. You need to like a high dosage. It doesn't help you taking inositol in little tiny, teeny, mini dosages. Okay. So you can't go into um, our favorite little green pharmacy store and, <laughs> and have a look at um, all of the beautiful packaging and decide, mm, I like this pink bottle and in and let's go. Mm. You, you have to look at the dosages. So um, it's those recommendations are, are made based on my dietary recommendations, also the indoors. But um, so I would start looking at inositols. Mm. Omega three is is also very good. So omega three is essential fatty acid, which means your body can't make it. You have to get it from food. And I know from experience that no one is eating enough fatty fish to get that in. So your fatty fishes, for example, salmon, trout not canned tuna, like fresh tuna, mm. um, sardines, poultures, mackerel, herring. And these aren't fish that I know we consume enough of. Mm -hmm. So I often, um, it depends also on, there's a, a marker called CRP. You can either do a normal or ultra sensitive that you can test to see where they're ranking in terms of inflammation and would they benefit from the supplement. Because you also don't want to wear a bunch of pills at someone. Yeah. And it, to drink it because it becomes a lot eh? um yeah. so it's about sustainability you need to take that into account when prescribing these supplements 
And um, so if you're looking at, at, at someone that's battling, especially with obesity, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, it's a, it's, 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 obesity itself is a disease condition. It's a multifaceted complex disease and often comes with what's called low grade chronic inflammation. And the easiest yeah. way to explain that is to think of like a little fault fire burning in the background of your body. And whenever you have a refined carb, like pasta, pizza, cereals, refined white breads, croissants, cookies, or you're having too much saturated fats from the fats like on a choppy or double cream, everything, then it's like dropping a little grenade on your beautiful little salt fire and it just explodes. So from a dietary perspective, uh, reduce that by increasing your intake of omega-3 fatty acids, which we just spoke about. And then also pushing up your fiber content is super important. Yes. Um, it's actually dietary fiber has been indicated as medical nutritional therapy for weight loss. So the Canadian obesity guidelines um, that came out a couple of years ago state dietary fiber as one of the key things that you've got to get right when you're trying to lose weight. And a lot of women are scared of carbs. Mm. Um, and they don't tell really- me about it. Yeah. Uh, they don't that they they're so scared to uh, and, and all that rubbish also about oh no well i won't eat carbs at night then or I, it's just yeah it drives me insane <laughs> and so um that also we're going to talk about that more but that that also comes from women relationship with food where they simply cannot look at food other than is that going to make me fat yeah is that gonna or, or good or bad that's so bad yeah, it's important to remember that you can have carbs. Yes, they need to be whole grain, high in fiber. And quick examples of that would be like barley, bulgur wheat, oats, bran. Unfortunately, you can't meet your dietary fiber uh, intake through veg and fruit alone. It's too low. Yeah. Like the, the average, more or less, the average fiber content of um veg would be like four grams per hundred grams where if you look yeah. at bulgur it's 18.3 if you look at bran it's 27 so um it's much higher in fiber and you have to women us we as women we need to eat at least 25 grams of fiber per day and if you constipate mm-hmm. you need even more so that i would also take into account and then there's this cool new hot topic of conversation that reduces inflammation as well which is broccoli sprouts i don't know if you've seen it or heard no. it no basically it's difficult to find a little farmer i've got i've got one farmer in joyberg and one in cape town that I'm, that I'm using for my patients and um you can make it yourself but it's a labor of love because it takes it takes a lot of effort because you have to rinse and water them in the in the kitchen you grow them basically in like a glass jar and um if you have a certain amount of, of broccoli sprouts a day you can get the same therapeutic dosage of something called sulforaphane. And sulforaphane is this amazing antioxidant that reduces inflammation. And they sell sulforaphane in capsule form at the same dosage for like two grand a month. And you can get it, you can, if you make your own broccoli sprouts, it's obviously you're going to spend some money, make it, put it, get in the glass jar and the sprouting going, but you can right. save money. Um, and, and there's the, a very, very powerful anti-inflammatory. Yes, it's an antioxidant that activates a pathway called NRF2, but um, it really, really helps to downregulate inflammation and plays a crit- that downregulation 
also plays a critical role in um, estrogen metabolism specifically. So if you, there's certain genetic reports that I run with my patients and um, there's an estrogen report called DNA estrogen, which mm-hmm. tells how are you metabolizing your estrogen um, according to your genetics. Yes. And then certain things you can also do from that perspective. So does it help you sort of um, metabolize it all? Yes. I mean, I, I'm very, very um, careful when I use the word detox because I don't necessarily believe in it. But does it help you sort of detox the excess estrogen? Put it that so way. You've got different pathways that uses estrogen to metabolize it fully. And uh, depending on certain genetic markers that different women have, it goes into a certain pathway, right? But there's a preferred pathway. Mm-hmm. So pathway A is where we want to go. Mm-hmm. But say, for example, you've got genetic marker C. That means that pathway is not going to work. It goes to the next one. problem with the next pathway, it doesn't metabolize fully. So you can then, according to the literature, um, you can then take certain nutrients in a certain dosage to help that process further and to um, this is an example of you've been dealt a bad hand with the genetics but there's something you can do about it um, okay and how would you know if you do if you aren't a good um what do you would what would you say estrogen metabolizer. <laughs> metabolizer how would you know what are the symptoms so there's it depends it depends i would just not i would probably work on blood and genetic reports for that and that the endo can explain to you in much further detail mm-hmm. um so i would get a patient back from the endo where they've said this patient is estrogen dominant i have a genetic report i know exactly how her pathway runs i know what to give her to give her the best chance to achieve what she wants to achieve because all we can do is give it our best that's and then do. that's all you can do and that's all people can also do as mm-hmm. women and yeah. um cannot also you know i find so many women compare their, their bodies to their 16 year old body the body they had when they were so young and you've had kids you're a woman um it's it's unrealistic you need to set realistic expectations for yeah, yourself completely and yeah it's it's super super important so in in terms of the the other supplements just to give you an example, because it really is that intricate that it's per disease condition, per mm. with hormonal imbalance. Um, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I mentioned insulin resistance and I mentioned that you can use inositol, which is mm-hmm. cool. But even for like, for example, now you have PCOS, which has insulin resistance and other things going on. Um, they wouldn't benefit from just a normal inositol supplement. They need it in a 40 to 1 ratio of myo-inositol to dechiro-inositol. So yeah. it, gets, it is that intricate. It is that detailed. There is no general approach. Um, and so you also you need like 4,000 milligrams of myo-inositol with 100 um, milligrams of dechiro for you to benefit mm. from that supplement. They but again, that what you're saying now just really runs home for me how important it is to rope in a professional. Because you're not going to... You're not gonna, know any of this no matter how much dr google helps you no you need to you need to knock on the right doors to get into the right rooms and be with the right people and a, a team really works best yeah I, for me with my personal trainers um my endos 
Um, my doctors, I've developed a little network for myself where we have gotten along so well to the point that I can literally WhatsApp them while I'm in and be like, can I please send this patient to you? Do you have availability? This is what's cooking. This is what I'm going to do. This is the supplementation I'm going to give. What are you doing? And yep, then 100%. We- so that you are really taken care of. Yeah, it's um, so important. Otherwise, you end up giving up because you try so many different things that don't work. I've even had, I don't know, there's a certain, just coming to mind now, there's a certain clinic here in Joburg that does, um, that does these injections. Mm. And... Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, I've, I've had so many of those patients in my office and generally they battle the most to lose weight because they've taken hormonal injections to lose weight and now the hormones are so out of whack that they simply cannot, they really, really, they lose food slowly and it's frustrating for me and for them and it's, it's really difficult to have that conversation to tell them, look, um, you know, the, the things you've tried in your past, the yo-yo dieting, the extreme starvation, it does have long-term implications. It, it is. And um, that's that's the hard part is saying to them, right, we're going to spend the next six months fixing, healing, before we focus on the goal. Yes. Yes. And that's, I think that's the um, the clincher is that when people do come, it's very hard then because they are the type of people, if they've been to the fat clinic, for the injection, sorry to call it that. Um, they're the type of people who want the quick fix. Yes, no, definitely. And you have to, again, um, have realistic expectations. I, My whole game um, is getting people to lose weight in a way that they can sustain it. Because to me, and this is the way I convince them, if you eat food that you enjoy, that's nice and you feel good, and you, it doesn't take too much time. You really like it. And you are only losing 200 grams a week. That is 200 grams. That's all for the rest of your life. Because you are not going to go back to what you were doing before because you like what you're doing now, right? Why would you go back? That's a self-sabotage. Then it's a psychological issue. So I really do try when I do plans. I really, really look at what do you like? to eat can i find a good balance between what you like to eat what i know is good for your health and what you have time for um, and it's a balancing act between those things Absolutely. and you have to take into account so um the the majority of my patients aren't like women with no issues that just want to lose five kgs it's majority is metabolic disorders diabetes mm. um chronic diseases hormonal imbalances Uh, PCOS, insulin resistance, thyroid disorders, people who have more than one characteristics that's getting in the way of them achieving their goal. And we have to bridge that in a way that also heals their relationship with food. Because oftentimes these patients have become so frustrated in the past that they have done um, hectic things to, to lose the weight, which has damaged their relationship with food. And they no longer look at food through a lens of quality, but only quantity. And I, I am going to bring up calorie counting because yeah, it's, it's a big a, one. It's a big trend right now. It's been it's been going on for about two years here. Um, I think it's going to fizzle out soon because what it's forcing people to do is 
checking on your phone. Can I eat this? How mm. much can I eat this? And not going, should eat fish, good for my skin health. Should have bulgur wheat, great for my digestion. Have my four cups of veggie day. Why? Because I need it. It's it's more- neglecting the, the nutrient aspect. Yes. And it's forcing you to only look at quantity. And I find that younger women that go, all right, according to the app, I've got 100 calories left for the day. Let's have some Wonder Bars. And that's not going to help. It's just not going to help. Like, you have to, if you want to now play with a budget of calories, spend them wisely and spend them on nutrient-dense food. food. Um, Otherwise, you're just going to end up with deficiencies, disordered relationship with food, over-indulgence. So, yeah. And that's why I think it's so important that it is a powerful educational tool to a degree, but if you do have a history of disordered eating, absolutely steer clear. Um, And it needs to be coupled with education that, like, Actually, 90% of your diet should be whole, nourishing, nutrient-dense food, which your body uses as fuel. You can't now just make up your calories based on grenade bars. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's also where there's a massive gap is that, yeah, then people, as you say, just see it as a calorie budget and then starve to save for their pizza in the evening or whatever it may be. And then there's a very fine, dangerous line. And I completely agree with you. And I think you need to know what type of person you are. So if you are the type of person that becomes obsessive, that is a little bit OCD, um, stay clear because mm. you take that roots down too far too deep. Um, and I have patients that I force them to delete the app off their phone once they enter my office. Um, and I tell them we're completely doing this in a different way. I want you to understand that food is your friend. Mm. It fills your body for energy. It gives you so much and you need it for living and to feel good, you need to eat. And I find, I don't know if you feel the same maybe with the, with you know, the training of your clients where you see them often being super, super good during the week and then a weekend kind of event. Self, self-sabotage Friday to Sunday, start fresh Monday. Yes, it's a trend. And um, they, I often see that as well where they, almost over-restrict during the week and then over-indulge on the weekend. And you will not see your health goals like this. It no. is not for your body to go through that hectic ups and downs to get those intense sugar spikes on the weekend and come crashing down and you barely oh, see yeah. on Monday out of guilt. It's not good. And Even you're though- going to do that if you restrict so heavily Monday to Thursday or Monday to Friday. 100%. Um, so I think the, the most important point that I generally want to make to people and what really drives me is that food is more than a number and you can cook healthy and enjoy it it is not dry chicken breast and broccoli completely you can't it just takes it's what we can't do is my my biggest fear in life is a picky eater so (laughs) you don't have kids yet no, no. <laughs> the, the universe might throw you one. Um, I'm going to have a tray of vegetables ready at every dinner. And it, takes, um, it takes 15 food exposures, exposures yeah. before a child accepts the food. So I'm going to do that 15 times. Yeah, yeah. you might have to do it 30 times. But um, I've got yeah. my, my oldest and my youngest are very good eaters. They eat everything. And my middle child, if he... I'm so glad his role model was his older brother who eats everything because I don't take his nonsense. 
But yeah, even now still he says he does need this, so he doesn't. I still dish it. Still Good. just put it there. I'm like, you just, you just, yeah. And I know in time, I mean, we all go through phases of things we didn't like when we were little, but now I eat absolutely everything. And um, that's my goal. That's what I'm striving for. <laughs> Good. That's probably why they, they end up being such good eaters is because you didn't give up. No, I, I, it's a huge priority for me. I, I, if you don't want to eat the delicious, wholesome food, I'm not going to then give you cereal for dinner. I'm very, <laughs> I'm a mean, mean mom. My poor husband was the guy that sat for three hours in front of his peas and he's not, I like to be wrong. His mom yeah. finished what's <laughs> in front of you. And eat your peas, and he just he just sat there until like twelve o'clock at night by himself in his little stalky and had peas. Well, at least he's married, you know, and he's. <laughs> I'm sure you're making him a wholesome, delicious food that doesn't include peas. <laughs> no, it doesn't. He still doesn't eat the peas. He doesn't. <laughs> he didn't crack under the pressure that one. Just in terms of, I mean, I know there's also when we eat like highly palatable foods, so sugar, there is like a dopamine spike and that can create a cycle of then wanting it again because it feels good in the moment. Just in general, because I, I mean, it, it might seem obvious, but what foods, I mean, obviously highly sugary foods are going to make us want to eat more sugar, but are there certain foods that can help us of, uh, well, keep cravings at bay um, that you could recommend and ones that will make us feel less sluggish and more motivated and are there certain foods that we should I hate the word avoid but yeah keep to a minimum I like the word limit you limit, limit. totally um, so there's actually three pathways that regulate food intake when you eat so the first is like your satiety hunger you're actually hungry your brain tells you let's eat you eat the food falls into your tummy stretches it out and then a signal is sent via the vagal nerve to the hypothalamus area of your brain which tells you thank you for eating you are full stop eating and that's the satiety cue and then you have a second area in your brain that regulates food intake and that's called the mesolimbic area and here we have the hedonic pathway of food reward, which is when your taste buds eat something sweet, it stimulates the release of dopamine, which is your pleasure hormone. It's the same feeling you have when you have sex. It's like, mm, yay. And it asks your brain the simple question, should I do that again? And the answer is always yes, because your brain's just like, mm, this is good, let's do it again. And that's where the hand goes back into the cookie jar and back and back and back. This is the reason I cannot buy a big packet of speckled eggs. It has to be a small one mm. because you need to know your own limits. Um, and so there's a third pathway that also is involved in the regulation and that's the cognitive area that's you making good decisions that's you going okay cool i'm not eating because i'm hungry why am i eating i'm either maybe emotional i'm upset about something i'm stressed or i'm bored and then you need to manage your mind actively your brain is like a baby it cannot just have what it wants as it wants it and you need to manage your mind this is willpower sticking in this is discipline this is motivation yeah. to go cool I'm not going to have that cookie right now. I'm going to have it tomorrow after lunch. And then you have it tomorrow after lunch because what you're doing is you're training your brain to not just send you an impulse and expect a result. So you, you basically training your mind to stop sending you that message. Yeah. Sticking your hand in the cookie jar. That's the first thing. The second thing is having insulin resistance, having PCOS, having other hormonal imbalances, 
can cause you to be more prone to sugar cravings because of disordered blood sugar regulation. So the most important tip I have for someone that battles with sugar craving, manage your blood sugar level. What that that means, it means manage your carbohydrate intake quantity and quality throughout the way, throughout the day. So you want to make sure that when you eat food, you're eating all of the macronutrients. You're having clean carbs and fats because the combination of a protein and a carb, a combination of a protein and a fat with a carb slows down the glycemic response. And if it's high in fiber, it slows it down even more. So if you, you want to keep your blood sugar levels just like in a straight line, because when it drops, you crave sugar, you eat sugar, it spikes and it will drop after spiking mm. that high. And then you end up having sugar levels that do this. And that causes more sugar cravings and it causes fat storage because it causes high insulin levels, which is a fat storage hormone. So that's the one thing. The next thing is the right supplements. So certain supplements can, can also aid with, with, um, sh- with managing your blood sugar level and therefore managing your, your sugar cravings. But I um, often find that healthy coping mechanisms for stress is probably the best tip. Finding out what calms you down? What brings you peace that doesn't involve food? Because we can enjoy food. We can love food, cook food. It's part of your culture. But you cannot depend on food for an emotional response. That would be considered an unhealthy relationship with food. That you becoming food dependent emotionally, mm. which is a space a lot of women find themselves in. And it's important to go cool. You know, calling a friend, ranting on the phone, taking a bath, walking the dog, reading a book, those things calm me down. I am going to do all four of them now since I'm upset I'm trying to eat. And you actively manage your mind. And then obviously you can also always make healthier treat options. So, for example, um, my current go-to personally is literally taking frozen mango, taking half a cup of plain low-fat yogurt, popping it in the Nutribullet or the blender and just eating it like sorbet. And it's divine, it's sweet, it sorts you out. And mm-hmm. it's a good snack. Um, you need fruits. You don't have to stay away, stay clear of it. And you can use fruit to soothe that little um, sugar craving as well because the, the, the sugar in fruit is natural. It's part of a fiber matrix. Um, mm. It provides you with phytonutrients, which are anti-inflammatory, anti-aging, anti-carcinogenic, all those wonderful yeah. antioxidants. So you can eat fruit and lose weight, but yeah, it really it's 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 important to see um, to look at cool. Why am I having a sugar craving, and how can we manage it better in the future? And um, your advice in terms of setting up your environment to support, like as you say, like not buying the big bag of like yes. if you want it. Do you? I mean, if you want it, do you delay the craving or do you satisfy it with a small bag and get it over with? And move on. It depends on how hectic it is. Um, I do try and get my patients into good habits. Like, you know, if you need chocolate every day, we can do one block of dark chocolate every day. Cool. Sort yourself out. But if they are prone um, to doing more than that, and it depends on the grade as well, because you do get binge eating disorders. Mm. Therefore, you need psychological support and stuff. So that's a bit hectic. But if it's just in the house because you buy it for the kids, um, I would suggest get it out. Don't buy it. Keep it mm. clean. The kids don't eat sugar every day. They can have sugar on a weekend and you can yeah. buy it as you need it. So as generally it, yeah. for my moms is stopping the little snack pantry section 
completely. Um, because yeah. often, especially if you have toddlers and you give them something sweet, they don't finish it. And you're like, but oh, you don't want to waste food. And then you end up eating <laughs> with them. That and lunch boxes. Yeah. The lunch boxes. And then you, if you haven't had time to make a big, healthy lunch, then it's four o'clock and then you see you eating peanut butter sandwiches. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I would, I would suggest that get to know yourself. Mm. and be completely. honest be completely completely honest with yourself to say fine i know if i have a bag of speckled eggs at my house mm. it will be finished i cannot yeah. control with, with no i'm i'm lucky i would rather not have it and then if i really really want to go to the shops buy the small bag and yeah. eat it otherwise i i i do love i love i mean someone brought me chuckles from south africa recently they've been out and it didn't last a day, the bag. No, no. And the portion for chuckles is actually so sad. It's five. Who only has five chuckles? No one. I mean, you're not human if you only have five. <laughs> so, um, especially in the beginning, I think at a later stage, if you have the control, if your blood sugar levels are well regulated, your insulin level has dropped to normal, you no longer have those intense cravings. You know, and you want to keep a bag of chuckles for people coming over as a little dessert or whatever, just in case. You can test to see, but you have got to be honest with yourself. You've got to yeah. look yourself in the mirror and go, am I capable of controlling myself around this specific food item? Yeah, no, it's so true. Your goal. It's, it's, you have to set yourself up in the right environment. And that's why I love seeing couples together as well. As soon as hubby understands, yeah. because it's really worse than a mum really trying to lose weight, cooking healthy and hubby's complaining about the food or he's coming home with McDonald's and you really like trying your best. So mm. I love seeing couples together. I think uh, I see so much more success with that is to get yeah. the support. There's no way you can like, cook yourself dinner, cook the kids because they, you know, picky eaters and then a husband wants steak all the time. So, you know, yeah. everyone has to be on board. No, 100%. It's like if you were a smoker trying to quit and then your husband keeps lighting up in front of you, like how you've got to set it up. You've got yeah. to be supported. Definitely, definitely. It makes a um, massive difference. And then just lastly, just because it's a topic that I am seeing more and more just because of the phase of life that I'm in and the, the clients that I've recently taken on, um, some women are heading into perimenopause. And um, they've had their babies and they, I mean, it's quite early, I suppose, like mid forties, um, some, some even a bit earlier, but what are the signs? Um, and, and then, then do you recommend also going to your gynae and, and doing your bloods and all of that? Definitely. Um, you can go to an endo as well. You don't have to go to the gynae, but the, the most common symptoms are the hot flashes, the irritability, the drop in libido, um, a little bit of, you know, dry, uh, dry atmosphere down there. And um, the earlier you actually get your bloods done and see where you're at and, and get the necessary assistance, the more you're going to spare yourself from the uncontrollable mood that you don't know what's cooking with your body, you're not feeling yourself. Um, you're hot all the time. And will and that, um, if you are in perimenopause, will that affect weight loss as well? It depends on what your levels are, but it, it, it all hormones have an effect on weight 
and weight gain and weight loss. So it can affect it for sure. Mm. Um, it depends on where your levels are really at and what, you know, where's your estrogen and where's your progesterone because they decline, right? And then mm. you have to get on the right, if you know, whatever treatment you choose to do, uh, which is, you know, totally to the discretion of the endo, the gynae and you, um, it can it can also have an impact on on weight loss. But with anything else, it is not impossible. It is there's very very rare cases where you will not be able to lose weight. This is your life. Very mm. very. Rare. I mm. almost want to say never, but never say never. It's very rare. Yeah. So there's um, always something you can do. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And you know what? Exercise is one of the key key factors because. What ends up happening, what I see more than menopause being a blocker to losing weight is a lack of muscle because a lot of women, you know, when they have their babies, they are so super, super busy, they stop exercising and therefore they stop um, moving their muscle. And muscle is is one of those things that if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Yeah. And once you lose muscle mass, you drop your metabolism rates. And that's why a lot of women end up eating this plain biggie small portions to lose weight because the muscle mass is so low. So body weight resistance training is not only good for gaining muscle, increasing your metabolism. It's great for insulin resistance. Yeah. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. (laughs) It's good. And, 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 you know, I always, I really, really preach in my office and I'll, I'll probably have to be honest with more personal understanding once I have my babas, but I really preach that you are also important. This is your life, your family, but it's centered around you. Like you need to take care of you. Completely. You set the tone for everything. Yes. And you and don't want your daughter to see you, you neglecting yourself in, because that sends her the message that, oh, when you get older, like you, mommy doesn't matter. Of course she matters. Everything. Completely. And as you say, you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you've got nothing to give at the end of the day, they're going to be receiving the, that side of you yeah no it's very so, very important. um okay. and and i really my biggest wish for people is to to honestly look at nutrition through a lens of what can it give me instead of what it is it taking away completely completely i love that Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been so wonderful to chat to you and to just pick your brain and learn from you and just see also someone who's so passionate in the similar space. So, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, it's very, very nice to meet you and I've had a wonderful time. Thank you so much for having me. 